Good evening and good afternoon. It feels so nice to be back. I know I've been gone for a couple weeks, but trust me when I say I'd rather would have been home or in Europe. That would have been nice too. Anyway, I'm here to talk to you guys about, of course, comics, movies, TV shows, and as always, these are my opinions, so if you don't agree with them, again, just my opinions. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started with comics. Today we're going to be talking about Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, which is a tie-in for the Sins of Sinister event. So far going well, I actually enjoyed this comic, so let me tell you a little bit about it. So this comic goes into how Storm actually survived not being possessed or taken over by Sinister because she basically, what's the word? She basically uh, took away her resurrecting capabilities uh, on Kuroka by erasing her backup and just allowing her to only live one life, similar to Magneto. Because as you re recall, back in the X-Men comics, and even when we were doing Judgment, Magneto could not be resurrected because he did not have a backup, nor did he want to. So, going this route, Storm actually saved herself. Go Storm. Anyway, she gathered some friends and an army to fight against Sinister. But because of his ability to go back and restart everything, they absolutely had no chance. He made mutant chimeras with different abilities and basically obliterated any type of force that could have come after him. Fast forward 10 years and Storm is mad at Destiny because of her prediction allowing Sinister to continue with his rule. She accuses Destiny Basically saying, if you would have said something earlier or you wouldn't have prevented us to strike early, we would have killed him. Destiny says that she knows Storm won't kill her because, of course, they need her precog abilities. Iron Fire comes in. No, I did not mistake Iron Fire for Iron Fist. This dude is an entirely new character or old character. Not familiar with him. But anyway, he comes out and stabs Destiny, which reveals to be Mystique in Disguise. She said she didn't want to gamble with Destiny's life, even though Destiny said she would be fine. But again, uh, teach their own. So she came here with a message that they can go back and reset the timeline. She talks about a facility that Sinister has that protects a Moria clone made 10 years prior, which would allow them to kill it, restart the timeline, and stop Sinister before he made an entire mess. So she gathers what forces are left, which is Wizkid, Ironfire, Cable. I really forgot the rest because they really didn't make a difference. Anyway, they get through the defenses on the original laboratory of Sinister, like in the first issue where Wolverine Cyclops went to destroy him in the first place. He rebuilt in the same area. I guess hiding in plain sight works. And they go through all the defenses. They come across a force field that's protecting something, which is assumed to be the clone. Wizkid teleports the orb out. Storm is happy, but then is stabbed by Wizkid, who reveals herself to be Mystique. And here's the fun part. Ironfire, who stabbed uh, Mystique before, after realizing it, was tricked. So apparently Mystique has been giving him false signs and telltales of her abilities for years, making Iron Kid realize that he, Iron Kid, Iron Fire realize that he has no idea how to tell whether she's in disguise or not. So basically, after she is stabbed, um, Mystique teleports herself away 
and the mystique that was apparently fighting with the other group was a clone. So it's very interesting, this whole, like, I guess, cat and mouse. But anyway, uh, so Storm is dying. Everybody is getting overwhelmed. And now their hopes and dreams shattered. And here's the funny part. This is actually hilarious. Sinister was going to kill the clone anyway, reset the timeline, and caught his losses. Exactly. He was going to do it anyway. But, for some reason, Destiny wants to keep this timeline because her wife is alive. So something is going to happen that she previously foresaw that Mystique was going to die. Very interesting. I don't know who was going to kill Mystique. Although there are a list, a list of people who could. So I have no idea what she saw or what she was trying to prevent. Although I will say this. Destiny and Mystique trying to keep this timeline alive. Even though everything's to hell, Sinister has taken over everything, is truly bizarre. And I'm actually interested to see where we go with this. So, one thing that's pretty cool is that if Storm is going to survive, she's going to be very mad. And I actually don't know how she's going to survive. But we'll see what happens. And you know what? It's X-Men, so you know somehow they'll find a miracle. Anyway, moving on to Red Goblin issue number one. So this story is from the perspective of Normie Osborne, who is the son of Harry Osborne, and it goes into detail on how he got his hands on a symbiote. The, uh, Dylan, the current Venom and the son of Eddie Brock, gave it to him. Yep, there's no mystique, he just gave it to him, and this symbiote's name is Rascal. He is basically a puppy, totally new, no memories, no link, nothing. And he gave it to a kid. I Okay, I mean, I guess he trusts Normie. But anyway, Normie and Rascal go out hearing and basically save a man uh, from people dressed as goblins. The symbiote is still young, like I said, so he doesn't really have the best relationship with his host. And he ends up getting hurt, which makes him go into a rage. And he has dubbed this name Goblin Mode because when he goes into a rage, he looks like a goblin. And he basically beats the other goblins. And here's the interesting part. Uh, he ends up getting hurt by a pumpkin bomb that looks exactly like the one the Green Goblin used to use. And he basically gets scared and runs away. Normie wakes up in a candy shop surrounded by cops. And it's interesting enough because they go into this in the movies, and I kind of forgot about this. Symbiotes, besides eating brains... Love chocolate. And he ate 80 bucks worth of it. That's uh, very interesting. Anyway, uh, meanwhile, those people who were dressed as goblins go to the sewers to their leader, which has who have been tailing Norman Osborn, and because they want to get some type of revenge on him. Given that Norman Osborn was the Green Goblin and has committed so many atrocities, I don't see why this wouldn't be a normal occurrence. Seriously, the dude has killed so many people as the Green Goblin, the Red Goblin, um, oh my god, uh, what's the, what was his other name, the Guardian? Uh, the Patriot, that was it, Patriot, when he had that, uh, suit, and other things. So it's very interesting that not a lot of people are not trying to kill him. But anyway, back to the point. Uh, Norman kind of uh, breaks Normie out of jail by paying his legal fees and the fine. And, of course, 
paying the dude who owned the chocolate shop enough money to basically buy another one. Anyway, he says that his mother's mad and he's grounded for basically life. So it's very interesting. I wonder if his mother knows about the other symbiotes or the fact that he's been heroing. Anyway, uh, they basically are heading out to this event. Rascal and Normie get into a fight and Normie tells him that he's going to stay here because he's not listening to anything he says. So back to this event, they're there, they're talking, Norman is opening it up, and they're attacked by the Goblin Army. And it's very interesting because Norman has enhanced himself to where he's actually doing pretty well. But his family is basically taken hostage, and Normie is like, alright, time to go hero, and then remembers that his symbiote is back at his house under his bed. So basically, they're taken hostage, Norman... Uh, goes to their leader, which turns out to be Philip Urich. Now, if you don't know who that is, I didn't know either, so I don't blame you. He was basically called the Goblin King. And it was interesting because, one, he used to be the Hobgoblin, and he used to actually be a hero turned villain. So, uh, what was the other thing also? Oh, yeah, he was killed by Norman Osborn while he had the Carnage symbiote. So, again... All things interesting, and I'm surprised no more people have tried to kill Norman Osborn, even though he's given up the persona of the Green Goblin. So, again, don't know how long that will last, but we'll see when that happens. But anyway, that's it for the first issue. It wasn't too bad. I get it. Uh, it's all from the perspective of a kid. But I just, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to be a good thing, bad thing. But we'll see with issue number two. Hopefully, it's not as chaotic as issue number one. Anyway, moving on, we're going to be talking about Nightcrawlers, issue number one, which is also a tie-in for Sins of Sinister, which follows Vox Ignis. Uh, he is basically a ghost rider. Yes, uh, the X-Men have a ghost rider, and he is Banshee. If you guys don't know who Banshee is, he's the dude who could scream and fly in X-Men First Class. That's all I could say about him because that's basically all his powers. Anyway, he's in the Sanctum Suntorum, Doctor Strange's house, and he's getting chased by sinister hybrid Nightcrawlers. Uh, he does not have a pent stare, so he can't use that, but he has something called the Scream of Awakening that can awaken people's memories. And he seems to be a weakened Ghost Rider, very interesting, but he, of course, is a Spirit of Vengeance, and his Spirit of Vengeance tells him to use the Scream, which he states that he doesn't know if he wants to use it because it hasn't worked on any of the other hybrids but it works here he's able to free a wolverine nightcrawler a spider-man nightcrawler hybrid and a domino nightcrawler hybrid uh they're basically happy to be free and out of the control of sinister now they follow vox who's working for mother righteous don't know who that is so i i'm guessing she is some type of supernatural being who is after something of sinister and uses the nightcrawlers to get to help her get it since it's protected she's able to kill one of the goons that's there uh who is dr stasis who is another clone of sinister and his lackey and while trying to get to the place where they're hiding this she sends spider-man uh the spider-man hybrid to go get it who dies so they try different methods and apparently they're being guided by someone else and that's where the issue ends 
I gotta say, for a tie-in issue, this was... It was okay. Nothing too great, nothing too bad. I don't think I'm gonna follow it after this issue, because it seems like it's not important, and I'm just gonna follow the mainstay stories. But anyway, if you wanna check it out, go for it. I'm gonna be moving on to DC, and let's go ahead and talk about... Batman and the Joker, Deadly Duo, issue number four. So, this is going into the backstory of the guy who kidnapped Harley. And it's very interesting and very uh, Gotham, if you will. So, while they were at a wedding, the Joker and Harley crash into a church after robbing a bank. They basically take hostages. One dude tries to be a hero is shot dead, obviously, because no one can get the jump on the Joker except the Batman. And the Joker is telling everybody to calm down. There's cops everywhere. He tells the cops to stay back, that he will handle this. He grabs one of the guy's hostages. Batman shows up. He goes in. The SWAT goes in because, of course, and the guy, the main guy, gets his eyes shot out because, of course, he does. Everything that can go wrong is going wrong. And apparently there was this big tragedy but we don't get to see much more of the tragedy because everything fast forward to the Joker and the Batman on a train. They basically are told that they have to make the train lighter or it will crash into the train station killing thousands of people compared to hundreds. Also, they can't decouple the train because it's booby trapped. So the only thing they can do is basically tell the hostages that they don't know that they're hostages and basically convince them to destroy everything. Batman kind of does, uh, but they're like, okay, uh, what should we do? And the Joker says, well, you either help us destroy stuff or I'll throw you off the train myself, which is kind of hilarious because they start doing this stuff because, of course, you do not want to tick off the Joker. Anyway, uh, they find out that they're still a few hundred pounds over. They're very scared because Batman set the bunch of the train on fire trying to make everything get destroyed and basically lighten the load, and he put everyone to the front of the train. The Joker says, you know what, screw this, and without Batman realizing it, he throws half a dozen people off the train, making them so light that they're actually 40 pounds over, or, yeah, about over their goal. No, that would be bad. Under their goal. Would that be worse? Anyway, they're basically, um, they've met their goal and they're actually 40 pounds lighter than they have to be. So that's a good thing. And now they're basically, uh, good job done. The Joker's smiling and the Batman is angry, very much angry. I mean, you would have been angry too. Like, oh, I'm trying to save all these people. I'm the Batman and Joker throws half a dozen of them off the train. Yay. <laughs> anyway, uh, meanwhile, while this is happening, Nightwing and Catwoman are investigating the company that they think is behind this and basically steal some research. They meet back in the Batcave. Joker is still tied up with the gag over his head because Batman doesn't want to listen to him or even talk to him. And it's kind of funny. Uh, anyway, they talk about their findings and find that people were mutated without their consent, changing them. While this is happening, Bullock says he's going to go to forensics back at the Gotham PD when he receives a package with an eyeball in it. And the comic ends. Whether or not that was uh, Gordon's eyeball, that would be kind of messed up. But, I mean, Batman was given a timetable that unless he can get Harley back, uh, Gordon was going to lose some body parts. So that is absolutely nuts. And honestly, I'm enjoying this comic right now. It's crazy. It's honestly, the artwork is beautiful. And I actually have no idea where it's going. 
Like I said, at the beginning of this comic book issue, I figured it was Langstrom again with the Man Bat formula. But apparently it's going a different way, which I'm actually liking. A new villain, a new motives, and actually angry at everybody. Go figure. At this point, he's a villain to all. So I'm very curious to see where this next trial will take them and whether or not Joker is going to do something absolutely insane, which I mean he is, but without Batman looking over his shoulder. Loving this comic, I think there's only two issues left, which I'm sad about, but let's go ahead and move on to TV shows. So let's talk about The Last of Us Episode 5. So Episode 5 kind of surprised me in the beginning because they added the magazine scene from the video game. And you know what? That actually brought a big smile to my face because I love that scene in the video game. Just seeing that in person was just fantastic. Anyway, uh, of course, once they added the scene of the guy faking his injury, I already knew where they were. I knew what was going to happen. So I was super excited to see it. Of course, them fighting survivors, Ellie coming to realization that she just saw Joel kill a person. And that's the reality that they're in right now. I find it funny how they changed uh, Sam and Henry where they were introduced into the video game. Where here, they're actually being hunted for different reasons. Because apparently Henry did something that upset this crazy lady who is in charge of this entire rank of survivors. And it's kind of interesting because we don't know the background here. Heck, I don't know the background here because this wasn't in the video game. So I'm liking that they're adding other aspects. Of course, this episode was more of a bonding time between Ellie and Joel, which I really liked. I liked that corny joke in the end where even Joel was laughing. And again, I'm super excited to see where they go with this. I have not seen episode six yet. I will be talking about episode six and seven next week. So don't worry. Anyway, uh, moving on. Oh yeah, before we move on, I'm just going to say, I already know what's going to happen to these two. So don't worry. That's not going to be spoiled for me. I just know I'm just not ready for depression yet because that's what's going to happen. It's going to be depression. Like today's episode depression i'm all for it but ah oh man i'm gonna be really sad when the show ends Ugh. anyway uh back to moving on uh barney yes barney the purple dinosaur is back and is now in an animated tv form and not only that but we're getting a movie on top of that it's very interesting to see barney the purple dinosaur back especially after a long hiatus i want to say well how long has it been 20 over 25 years since the last barney anything god i feel old anyway i'm super happy that he's back i'm gonna be very interested to see how a younger generation takes to him and by god i really hope that animation isn't something we all have to get used to anyway moving on spider-man is getting a live action tv series that will focus on spider-man noir it will be on amazon which kind of brings me hope because Amazon has been doing pretty well with TV shows. But here's the kicker. It won't be about Peter Parker or that universe's Peter Parker. A new story, a, its own contained universe, and by God, it's Sony. So I don't know, man. Sony has been pretty disappointing when it comes to the Spider-Man stuff when it's not in the MCU. The only other good thing recently that they've done well is the Spider-Verse films. But anyway, uh, that's about it for uh, TV shows. We're going to be moving on to movies. Uh, the Flash trailer has dropped, and despite what is happening with Ezra Miller, my God, does it look fantastic. I mean, wow. They're, in the trailer, you see them redoing 
the Snyder versus first movie, Man of Steel, with Kara being there. And from the look of the trailer, they're giving her the Flashpoint treatment where Henry Cavall's Superman would have been like very skinny because he would have been malnourished. How she doesn't look malnourished, I don't know. I mean, she looks like she's been getting meals. So again, uh, they're going to take some liberties. I'm super happy that Michael Keaton is back as Batman. I don't know when he's going to be popping up or how long he's going to be in the movie, but I'm just excited for that. And again, this is from what I've read. It's the same Batman from the 80s film. From the first two uh, Batman movies with Tim Burton, they're ignoring the Schumacher films, which is very understandable. And I'm very curious to see how things will play out and if other heroes are going to be popping in from the comic like they did. uh, Like they did. I mean, honestly, like Shazam or Kid Thunder or whatever their names is. I'm wondering how they're going to be implementing the other Justice League members. I'm very curious to see if uh, Aquaman is going to be showing up and even Wonder Woman for a brief cameo. I'm very happy that Michael Shannon is back as Zod, and I'm very curious to see if the Reverse Flash will be making an appearance. So again, I'm actually looking forward to this. Actually looks good. Another trailer that dropped during the Super Bowl was the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. And it shows that this is going to be more of an emotional journey than we thought. And I'm not ready to see the best team in the MCU face the music. I'm not ready, man. I already see that Adam Warlock is going to be one of the antagonists. But of course, he's going to join the Guardians. That's what's going to happen. And I mean, we all know that this is probably going to be Rocket's last movie. It's definitely going to be Drax's last movie. He's already admitted it. So his death scene is going to be very heartbreaking. Anyway, uh, the Fast and the Furious uh, X movie, which is 10, has been released and wow, this looks like it's going to be an over-the-top film and yeah, it. I honestly, I'm going to be honest, it does not look good. It looks bad, it looks rehashed, and of course they're going with the villain was always there cliche because Jason Momoa's character, Dante Reyes, is the son of Hernan Reyes, and if that name sounds familiar... It's because Hernan Reyes was the main bad guy in the fifth film when they were in Rio de Janeiro. And I just, it just looks really bad. It's already sticking the middle finger to physics and logic. And um, I don't even know if I'm going to bother to watch this. Heck, I haven't even seen the ninth film because I was over it already. The eighth film was decent. I don't know where they're going with this. Heck, they already launched the cars into space. So at this point, they're going to be fighting the Avengers. That's that's what we're going to this point. And one thing that kind of sucks is that Vin Diesel compared the film series to Lord of the Rings. No, 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 no. You do not get to compare Fast and Furious to Lord of the Rings because when it comes to Lord of the Rings, we already know that's fantasy. At this point, you're just you went from cars to being street racing to maybe catching local drug dealers, to now international Avengers level stuff. It's not the same. But again, we'll see how this goes because this is supposed to be the second to last film. Anyway, uh, Will Ferrell is coming back with Jamie Foxx in a movie where they'll be voicing stray dogs in the movie Stray. And I gotta say, uh, it's a very interesting concept. I was kind of sad seeing this trailer because I never like seeing dogs mistreated. But Will Ferrell is going to be playing a dog who is repeatedly abandoned by his owner until he gets uh, pushed to the point where the other dogs are saying, hey, you are being abandoned. Why do you keep going back to him? So 
and I'm quoting the movie here, Will Ferrell's character wants to go back to bite his owner in the dick. Yes, that's exactly what this movie is about. And it's rated R. So I am very curious to see how many parents are going to buy these tickets for their kids and not realize they're taking them to see a rated R film. Oh, I can already see the mismanagement of this, especially after so many people took their kids to see Sausage Party and yeah, that was not a kid's movie. Anyway, I'm excited to see where this goes. It's been a while since Will Ferrell came out with a movie by himself. I mean, he has Jamie Foxx, but we'll see where that goes. I'm happy. I'm excited. Uh, moving on, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are working together on another movie, and it's actually about Nike's rise with the Air Jordans and the introduction of Michael Jordan. Here's the kicker, though. No one is going to be playing Michael Jordan because he will not be appearing in the movie. So that's actually kind of funny. It looks very similar to Ford v Ferrari and other films like it, so I'm actually excited. It has a stellar cast with Viola Davis in there as well. So I'm excited to see this movie, and it will be a nice sit-down movie. Anyway, uh, this is going to be a spoiler-free review of Ant-Man Quantumania. Yay! Anyway, uh, the movie was okay. Was it the best MCU movie I've ever seen? No. Was it the worst? No, absolutely not. I have no idea where the heck these critics were going with the film and saying it was bad, it was this, it was that. It was entertaining for what it was. Will MODOK fans be happy? Absolutely not. I'm just going to say that right then and there. MODOK fans will not be happy. But honestly, I felt like the movie should have been darker. Uh, one thing also was Cassie in the beginning, and this was only the beginning, kind of annoyed me because they gave her like a white girl without a cause type vibes. Everyone else was pretty cool. Uh, Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror was just utterly fantastic. He was actually the best part of this movie. I am very curious to see where they go with this. Uh, there is only two after credits, so one post credit and one mid credit. So if you're going to see this movie, just sit down and wait for the rest. And I honestly can't wait to uh, talk about this film and all its details. Uh, Paul Rudd is a fantastic actor, and I can't wait to see how he tops this performance. Anyway, uh, I'm going to be talking about this film, spoilers, in two weeks. That should give everyone enough time to watch this movie. Anyway, uh, moving on, a teaser for the live-action Little Mermaid film has been released, and we got a small snippet of Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. And while I do like the actress, it's going to be very... Very difficult to match the energy of the original voice actress who played Ursula in the animated film. I really hope she does an amazing job. I really do. And I hope that she matches the energy of poor unfortunate souls. Because that is one of my favorite songs in The Little Mermaid. So if Melissa McCarthy messes that up, I don't know. It's going to damper the whole film. It's like the Lion King live action. Why didn't they do the song with Scar. They did small snippets. It sounded like it was going to be fantastic and yeah, they moved on. Seriously, the one of the best musical numbers in The Lion King and you just move on from that. Terrible, terrible direction. Anyway, uh, speaking of Disney, live action Lilo and Stitch movie is coming in 2024 and they already got Zachary uh, Garfinkel I, the dude from the Hangover movies. I'm very curious to see who he's going to play. 
because honestly, he can play Pleakley. I can see that. He could play Jumba. I could easily see him uh, playing Jumba, especially with his energy being as it is. I, he has a lot of range, surprisingly. So honestly, I can't wait to see what, who he plays. But it's very interesting that we're getting a live-action Lilo and Stitch movie. I mean... I, for one, enjoyed Lilo and Stitch. It's one of my favorite Disney movies growing up during their experimental era. And you know what? I can see that doing justice for modern audiences. Uh, one of my uh, things is the fact that why haven't they done a Treasure Planet or even a Atlantis live action? Honestly, those movies are very underrated and could definitely use a live action treatment to bring people back into that world. You know how much fun that would be? But again, Lilo and Stitch, I'm excited for it. I'm really hoping it does well because if it doesn't, well, we'll see what happens. But speaking of live action, we're also, also getting a live action How to Train Your Dragon a remake with the same director who directed the animated films. And you know what? I can actually get behind this because one, it's a great movie trilogy. It really is. I'm super excited to where they would go with it with the live action. But honestly, to bring these dragons to life, to cast the perfect hiccup, I can see that because the one thing about all three films is they take place years apart from each other. So if let's say one film takes three years to make and the other one takes another three years, we would see this hiccup character grow like he does in the movie. Again, I'm excited to see where they go with that, and I really hope they stop at How to Train Your Dragon. I do not want to see a live-action Shrek movie. God, please don't do that. I love Shrek, but no, 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 no. We do not need those nightmares. That's nightmare fuel on its own. Speaking of nightmare fuel, a new clip from Blood and Honey has been released, and it looks like it's going to be, as I stated before, a terrible, terrible movie that will be entertaining. Like I, like I said, I have no illusions that this movie might be good. I already know it's going to be bad. But the fact that it's Winnie the Pooh turned serial killer is the only reason I would actually go out to see this movie. Like I said, I know it's going to be like a B or C rated movie. But I just want to be entertained. Laugh at something. That's all I ask. That's all I plead of this movie. So hopefully it brings us that type of joy. Uh, one thing also before we move on is the fact we got a new picture of Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn and it kind of looks interesting. Uh, they haven't been releasing a lot of information about this movie, only tidbits at a time. So when the trailer drops, I'm going to be very excited to see what it brings because Lady Gaga is a very talented singer and with this being a musical, we get to see how well her acting and singing chops compare to when she did A Star Is Born. Because playing a regular person and playing an absolute psychopath are two separate things. Not to mention, she's going to be playing his psychiatrist, or is she? I don't know where they're going with that. So, again, can't wait to see how weird and crazy it's going to get. Moving on, we're going to be talking about video games. So, Hogwarts Legacy. I will say this right now, it is such a fun game. I'm enjoying playing the role as a wizard. Oh my god, it was one of my dreams growing up from reading the books, watching the Harry Potter movies, to go to Hogwarts, and the fact that this game lets me and live that life is cool. The gameplay is fun, and so is the battling. I'm already dying left and right, and just trying to remember to use Expelliarmus, trying to remember to counter. It's just really fun. I really like how we can switch between spells to fit your playstyle and what you want. 
I haven't gotten the broom yet, but I'm looking forward to when I do and explore the rest of the world of Harry Potter. I do not understand why people are trying to cancel people over this. I've seen bullying happen because people are playing this game and that's got to stop. Like it, I get why you want to counteract or not do anything to do with JK Rowling, but let people do what they want, please. They're not hurting anybody and you're the only people hurting them. Honestly, it's very sad to see how bullying has formed into the new, oh yeah, we're protesting. No, it's just bullying and people's got to stop. Anyway, uh, multiverses. If you guys don't remember what that is, it's a fighting game uh, between Warner Brother properties. And despite having a really, really strong start with over a million players, it has plummeted to less than a thousand. And I can see why there hasn't been really any big updates to the game in a while and I mean I haven't played it in a little bit because of course they we fight that's it and there you go as much as I do love fighting games there's got to be more to that man I mean look at Smash Brothers they had a campaign they had an offline mode and they had other stuff that you could be doing within the world of Smash Brothers which made it entertaining but I mean just fighting 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 eh, I mean heck the original Tekken games I remember playing Tekken 3 and they had some type of campaign, which was pretty cool when you got done of the regular just fighting people online. So I'm really hoping that they don't shut this down and that we get more to this because honestly, Multiverses is not a bad game and not to mention it won one of the awards during the game of the year stuff. So that would be kind of sad. Uh, anyway, Warzone Season 2 has dropped, and I gotta say, it's been interesting. The loot system has returned to what it was in the original uh, Warzone game. The new map is pretty cool. I just gotta figure it out. I played it a couple of times, but uh, the cool thing is I'm not getting sniped every five seconds, so fun. And I gotta say, one of the favorite game modes that has returned that I'm loving is Infection. I was playing that last night, and oh, it was so nice. I was running around with my shotgun, then I got my uh, throwing knife at me, I got assassinated, I had people yelling in the microphone, yelling profanities galore, oh, it reminded me of the good old days. Anyway, it's fun, I'm happy to see uh, Call of Duty get a nice little resurgence after they've been losing players left and right, but we'll see how well they handle the new stuff. Uh, Dragon Ball Breakers, and this is funny because they're also getting a season 2 somehow, is out and I honestly don't understand how they even got a season two when I played it with my friend we played it during the demo and it was buggy we had no idea what the heck we were doing and honestly it was not worth the money it really wasn't heck I didn't even buy the game and it wasn't even worth the money it wasn't even worth free I don't know what the player base looks like but I would be hard-pressed to see it over a million people I wonder if they're trying to, I don't know, try to get more people to join in with more content, but it's definitely not the best game. And if you're a fan of running away from uh, the main villain and doing tasks, I highly recommend uh, Dead by Daylight. Heck, I would recommend uh, Friday the 13th, but that game has slowly died. Sad, sad, sad. Anyway, uh, moving on, Venom is now a playable character and has his own DLC story in the Midnight Suns. And you know what? I'm pretty surprised how fast they're releasing content for that game. Like, we legit got a Deadpool DLC maybe like a month, a month and a half at least. And you know what? It's making game uh, fans of the game happy. Good for them! They're getting new content on the game that they love. 
Maybe I'll check it out once all the DLC releases, but as of right now, I'm pretty swamped with other games. Speaking of swamped, Starship Trooper, yes, has gotten a video game that is releasing. I never thought I'd see the day. I thought that franchise was long dead, but apparently it's not. And it's a first person shooter. Uh, you're basically doing different missions, capturing, defending, and it looks like it's supposed to be aiming at fans of the movies and hopefully gauging if they should make a new one at that. The graphics don't look fantastic. Again, I'm very curious to see where they're going to go with this. Hopefully it's successful because I've seen and I've met Starship Trooper fans and they keep looking to the stars, hoping for a new movie, a TV show, or a glimmer of hope that the fan base isn't dead. Oh, there you go. There's your sign. Anyway, that's it for video games. Moving on to nerd theories. So for my nerd theory of the week, I believe, and this doesn't include Pixar, that Disney has run out of ideas. You know why? Because they keep releasing live action remakes instead of new movies most of the time. Yes, I get it. We just got Encanto maybe a year and a half ago, but still, if you think about it, most of the movies that have plagued us from Disney that isn't a Marvel movie, that isn't a Pixar movie, have been live action. And it's been terrible. I mean, if you're running out of ideas, give yourself a nice little break. Release some new IP. Don't go releasing the next big, oh my god, you know what, we just did Pinocchio, we just did freaking Dumbo, let's do the Black Cauldron. Actually, you know what? That wouldn't be a bad one because The Black Cauldron really wasn't that great of a movie. Anyway, back to the point. So that's what I really think. I think Disney at this point has run out of ideas and they're just using these live action movies to keep themselves busy and to make them, I don't know, have some type of uh, think tank to where they're thinking of new movie ideas. They're thinking of something they haven't done before. Maybe a Disney princess they want to introduce or something because again there hasn't been really that big of a new IP that has been released from Disney that isn't a Pixar movie and like I said I know we got Encanto and before that it was Raya and we had a new one which really wasn't advertised that well which is really weird because it had Jake Gyllenhaal in the movie anyway uh like I said I think Disney at this point has run out of ideas uh, that's it for my nerd theories. Uh, moving on to current events. Zootopia, Toy Story, and Frozen are all getting sequels. One, I don't know about Toy Story. Toy Story 3 was a fantastic ending to the franchise. Then we got 4, which wasn't too bad. Not as good as 3. The ending had Woody and Bo Peep going off on their own, living happily ever after. So I absolutely have no idea how 5 is going to fit into this whole thing. I hope Keanu Peel show up because they were absolutely hilarious. Hopefully Keanu Reeves too. Like I said, very interested to see where they go with 5. Now when it comes to Frozen 3, I can see them making this into a trilogy. I mean, each film on its own made over a billion dollars. So you gotta come back for the third film. I just hope they're not swinging all these different types of songs onto the wall and seeing what sticks because that's what the second one felt like. It felt like they had all these different songs trying to repeat some of the magic of Let It Go, which, I mean, honestly, Into the Unknown was fantastic. But honestly, a lot of the songs they had in the second one just felt like they were really just taking swings at anything. So we'll see where the story goes. Maybe they'll face war with another kingdom. I have no idea where they're going to go with it. So that actually makes me happy. So 
moving on to the next sequel they announced, Zootopia 2. And I'm actually excited for this. Zootopia was a fantastic Pixar film. They can do a lot with the sequel considering that both main characters are cops, so they can be figuring out break-ins. I don't know if they're going to go a murder, but something. Because, I mean, you have two cops in a big city with so many different areas that you can do whatever you want. So I'm actually happy about that. I want to see where everybody is, how everybody is doing, and where we're going to go, especially with Judy Hopps and Nick Wilde. And not to mention, I personally loved Zootopia. It's one of my top five Pixar. Is it one of my top five? You know what? Top 10. You know what? I actually don't have a list for Pixar films. I really don't because all of them are fantastic. I have yet to see a really bad Pixar film or have I? Yeah, Red wasn't really that good. Anyway, but I'm babbling at this point. But I mean, honestly, Zootopia was fantastic. Can't wait to see the sequel. So hopefully they do it justice. I mean, it's Pixar. They will. So I have full confidence. Anyway, uh, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. And I'll see you guys next week. Sayonara. See you later. And I'll talk to you later. Goodbye.